I want to pray. I want to talk to you this morning, and I prayed long and hard for this message, and I thought about it, and uh, I hope I can preach it as, as, as God led me to prepare it, but you know me, I chase rabbits, and if any of y'all, if they go this side, somebody shoot them, if they go that side, somebody shoot them, if they go down the middle, let them go, because they're going out to the baptistry so they can be there early to watch people baptize, so don't, don't bother those. But what I want to talk to you is, is help you to realize this morning who you are in Christ, yeah, I share with people all the time. In fact, I was doing it this morning with a young lady that's getting ready to have a child, and she promised me that if it was a girl, she named the girl Herbalina. <laughs> but she said, she didn't tell me that if it was a boy, she'd name it Herb. But I was taught years ago that there's, there's a real meaning in a name. Uh, my name is Herbert, as you all know. And the meaning of that name, and I've shared this with you before, is Mighty Leader, Glorious Warrior, diligent worker. And I've tried to live up to that name. And so today, what I thought, you know, names are important. But so many of us don't realize all the names that were named in Scripture. And I only picked seven. I got seven points. So y'all, just relax. You can spread out. But I'm going to preach them fast, I promise you. Well, maybe not too fast. But I want to share with you this morning what God has called you. And my, my desire and what I prayed to God that at the end of this message, that you'll say to the Lord, Lord, I'll live up to the names that you've given me. I will reach the potential that you want me to have. I will be the warrior that you desire me to be. I will live up to my name. So the first name I want to share with you that, he, that I start with today is he calls us his children. And, that, and children means kinship. We have been birthed into the kingdom as one of God's children. The Bible says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Did you catch it? The Father. Folks, only children would call a man a father for his father. I, don't call, I never called my uncle's father. I never called the men that discipled me years ago father. The only individuals I ever called father were my fathers. And I had four of them. But I called them father because they were, they were married to my mom. And the only other person I've ever called father is my father in heaven, God Almighty. So it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called, not shall, should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But when we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Stop and think when he just went, what a privilege. What a privilege to be able to call God Father, Abba, Daddy. What a privilege to be called a child of God. Now, how many of you all know that Satan counterfeits every God, everything God has? He, he tries to counterfeit everything. The only thing he cannot counterfeit is love because he don't understand love. He just can't counterfeit that. But, you know, you have to be careful of the little bitty shy things Satan does to get you to believe something that's not true. How many of you have ever heard... 
All of us are God's children. All of us are God's children. Folks, that's a lie. All of us are God's creation. God has made us in our mother's womb. He has formed us the way he wanted us to be. And you know what? Have any of y'all ever had a pity party? Shh. Man, I used to have pity parties all the time. Oh, why do I have this speech impediment? I want you to know I am better educated than y'all might think. And I have a super vocabulary. My problem is I just can't pronounce it. Half of it I can't say. I would have been a doctor <laughs> if I could have pronounced all that stuff. My writing is as good as a doctor's. <laughs> but I want you to know, the Bible says, but as many as received him, to them, he gave the privilege to become the children of God. The only folks that are the children of God are those who have been born into the kingdom of God. So don't let, don't let Satan lie to you and tell you that you're not a child. Or to lump you in the, in the world population that we're all God's children, because we're not. Now, people have said, Herb, that's an awful narrow view. And it probably is. <laughs> but don't jump on me after this service. You take it up with God. Because God said, when you receive my son, we're kin. You get that? We're kin. We're kin, folks. Because we're children of God. So let us live up to the name as children. Children of God. But then the second name, he calls us saints. There's, there's a, there was a pastor that used to pass over in Titusville that preached a sermon one time. And he, and he started the sermon is, I want all the saints in here to raise your hands. Three people had grown enough to realize they were saints. And he coined the phrase that later on the New Orleans saints used. He says, well, if you're not a saint, you're an ain't. Because you're a saint. And saint stands for holiness. The Bible says, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Now, sanctified means that, hey, we, we, we're made holy. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done for us. That we've been sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Now, you know, we get a wrong concept. Here's another lie. Now, don't take that off. I'm not finished reading it yet. Most people believe, you go out and ask most people, what is a saint? Well, that's somebody who's done some big miracle, who's died, and then they're set aside by the church to be called saints. And so only saints are those who have been recognized by the church. And I won't tell you what church. Y'all get the drift. I'm not throwing off on anybody. I used to get mad when people used to talk about their church because I come from that church. And I thank God the things they taught me. They didn't teach me everything I needed to know about a personal relationship with Christ. But folks, I started studying scripture as a very young man. And I am so grateful because when I got in the seminary, a lot of the finals I didn't have to take because my theology course was so high, I got to be a grader for the, for the professor. <laughs> and that's true. I knew scripture, I just hadn't applied it. But it says, call to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Did you, understand? Did you hear that? Every person who calls on the name of Jesus Christ, who has received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, 
is a saint. It means we've been declared holy. Now, I've, I've shared this with you before, but I want to reemphasize that it's so important. I am pleasing to God. You're pleasing to God. If you're in Christ Jesus, you're pleasing to God. Because when God looks at you, he don't see you in all your sinfulness. God doesn't take my sin away. Now, I've been a Christian for 52 years. Now, if you do the math, 52, saved around 25, you'll say, well, how can that man even stand up as old as he is? But here's the thing. I was saved 52 years ago. And if you think that Brother Herb hasn't sinned in the last 52 years, thank you. <laughs> and if any of you all will say, well, he can't have sinned too much. Well, if you'll give me a dollar for every time I've committed sin in the last 52 years, <laughs> I'd be a billionaire. Because Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. Folks, we all sin. So how can we be acceptable to God? How can we go to heaven when we're sinners? Because the Bible says God cannot abide sin. He just can't, he can't abide it. I got good news. When God looks at you, I'm going to fall off the stage yet. When God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees the blood of Christ that covers you. Folks, if you read scripture, you'll find for every spiritual truth, God usually gives us a physical Example, and the physical example of sanctification is the Passover. You all remember the Passover? Mo Moses, tell the people to go kill a lamb without spot, without blemish, and take the blood and put it over the doorpost. And when the judgment God of, when the judgment angel of God comes on Egypt, every doorpost that has the blood of Christ will be passed over. That's where we get the name Passover. And those that do not have the blood, the firstborn, will die in that household as a judgment of God. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, when we get saved, we are sanctified in Christ. And his blood covers us. And therefore, we are declared righteous. So my position and your position is fixed. It's like the North Star. It cannot, it cannot change. We are righteous before God, and we're acceptable for God, not because of what we've done, because of what Christ has done for us. People don't understand it. So my position is always a position of righteousness. Unfortunately, my practice is usually a, a practice, practice of <laughs> sinfulness. Now, folks, don't go out and say, oh, boy, Brother Hood must really be here. Bad dude. I'm not what I ought to be, but praise be God, I'm not what I was 52 years ago. Yes, I sin, but not like I used to. And I'm, I work on it, and I hope you are. I, I want my walk to match my position. Because I really do want to be holy. Because the Bible says, God is holy, be you holy as God is holy. So, when we look at the word saints, that reminds us in that, that we are sanctified, that we are declared holy because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So we're called children, we're called saints, but then we're called Christians. Now, Christians for identification. 
and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now, before that, we were called people of the way. Did you all know that? Many of you all may have. People of the way. Do you know where that comes from? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, folks, there's another lie of Satan. There's many avenues, many avenues to God. That's Greek for no way. I'm just telling you. I mean, you all didn't know I knew Greek, did you? Here's the thing. You've got Hollywood stars, and I won't mention any names, but they say, well, you know, we all serve the same God. We just call him by a different name. If you believe that, I got a bridge I want to sell you that I don't even own. But if you're that naive, you'll buy it anyway. Identification. Now, my wife and I, last week, celebrated 56 years of marriage. Thank you. When I prepared this sermon, I po my point says, for a little over 55 years, my wife has been called by my name. And I was reading this yesterday, and I thought, it's not 55 plus years. It's 56 years now, plus one week. Now, it's customary. You know, when you read the Bible, Christ is called the bridegroom. And the church is called his bride. So he's the bridegroom. We're the bride. Now, when my wife and I got married on July 18, 1962, she walked into that church as Dorothy Roper. After taking a vow with me to become husband and wife, she walked out of that church as Dorothy Long. She took my name. Fifty-two years ago, I walked into a Briar Lake Baptist church in Decatur, Georgia, on November 13, 1966. And I walked in as Herb the Heathen. That morning, I walked out as Herb the Child of God. Folks, live up to your name. You're Christians. You're Christians. So we're children, we're saints, we're Christians. But then we're also brethren. The Bible says, brethren for fellowship. Hebrews 2.11 says, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified, so Jesus sanctifies, we're being sanctified, are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed. He is not ashamed to call them brethren. Ladies and gentlemen, don't ever be ashamed to go call God your father. Never be ashamed to let people know you're a child of God. Never be ashamed to let people know, hey, I'm a saint. Take that. I'm a saint. Never be ashamed to be a Christian. Declare it boldly. Because he is not ashamed of us. So, as brethren, brethren is the archaic plural form of brothers. Ladies, look around you. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We all belong to the same family. I've told people, in fact, I shared this last week with someone I was sharing the gospel with. 
And they prayed to receive Christ. Praise God. And I tell a lot of times, I'll tell you, I says, thank you for being my brother or thank you for being my sister. When I was six and seven, eight years old, little bitty fella, all kinds of problems. If you blew, if you blew on me real hard, I'd fall over. I know some of you all can't believe this, but I used to be skin and bones. Speech impediment. So many fears. Didn't feel like I was as good as the dirt on the ground. In that dorm was 40 of the boys, and I had the bed next to the wall. And I used to lay against the wall many a night, and I'd cry. I missed my mama. I missed my stepdad, who had died. And I used to ask God to give me a family. That's what I, I wanted a family. I wanted a family so bad. And I felt really bad because you want to pile insult on the injury. Ever so often, we'd have couples come and they'd line all the boys up and the couples would talk to them and every once in a while they'd take one of them out on a weekend, come back, and then all of a sudden somebody I knew was missing and they got adopted. I was never allowed nor my brother was ever allowed to stand in those lines. Do you know what that does to a little fella who already feels like he's been thrown away and now he sees boys and people looking at him and you're not allowed to stand in the line? It caused me to be very angry. I was an angry young man for a lot of years. But you know what I found out? I was talking to my mama one day and when she put me in that orphanage, she made them agree and they signed a paper that I would never be allowed to be adopted because she was coming back and getting her kids. And three years later, she did. But nobody told me that. And they say, Herb, why are you telling us this this morning? Well, you know, things that you pray for are very important. And when I was 25... And bless her heart, and I still apologize to Dorothy for all the bad years. Hey, ladies, if any of y'all are being courted right now, you need to know, that's as good as it gets. Because when men win the gold, then they go on to the next gold. You know, when a man's courting, he shaves. He brushes his teeth. <laughs> he even gargles with that stuff that burns your mouth. He combs his hair. He puts on his best clothes. And he's just as sweet as pie. He pulls out the chair when you sit down. After you're married, hey, you're a big girl. You can pull your own chair out. <laughs> and my wife had enough. And we just had a little baby girl. And family was important to me. And she, said, she drew a line. She said, this, enough's enough. I'm not going to do this anymore. She hung in there because of her Christian values. But she said, I'm I'm done. Unless you quit your drinking, quit coming home at 1 o'clock at night, and start going to church with me. And because I loved my wife, but more, even more than that, I wanted a family, and I loved that little girl. I said, okay. And I sat in the back of a church for a year. Didn't want to be there. And on November 13th, 1966, God answered that little boy's prayer against the wall 
because I found out the difference between religion and relationship and realized I had religion, didn't have relationship. And I walked down an aisle and I talked to a fellow who I found out later was a deacon. I didn't know what a deacon was. I didn't know what. But he shared the gospel with me. The pastor had always shared from the pulpit. I'd already prayed with the pastor, but we nailed it down. And we wrote it down. November 13, 1966. Saved by the grace of God at Briar Lake Baptist Church. And I signed my name. Next day, Dorothy bought me a Bible and I put it in my Bible. And God answered that boy's prayer. And I became and started having fellowship. Cornea fellowship. Loving my brothers and sisters and they're loving me. And that has not stopped for 52 years. Folks, we're family. Let's build one another up. Let's be all that we can be in the kingdom of God. So we're children of God. We're saints of God. We're Christians. We're also brothers and sisters in Christ. But we also are sheep. Ha, I got it right. Sheep, which stands for character. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Folks, we're God's sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd. Do you, hear, do you see that? We hear his voice. He speaks to us. How many of you don't believe that God speaks today as much as he speaks as you read the accounts in the Bible? I believe that. You know what the problem is today? We got so many gadgets. We get instantaneous news. We're just enamored with everything going on. We got Facebook. We all this. We don't hear what the psalmist says. It says, be still and know that I am God. God is speaking to us. He's speaking to you this morning. You just need to turn the radio on. You just need to be still and say, Lord, speak to my heart. You need to have a place where you can go and pray. And make your requests known and listen to the small whisper of God that says, this is the way. Today, read Psalm 32, verse 8. It simply says, I will show you the way. I'll keep my eye upon you. God has his eye on you. And God wants to lead you in paths of righteousness. And he wants you to have a godly character. And he wants you to guard his reputation and your reputation. Years ago, my sister and I, she'd come down to visit. And she's, she's very active. She's, praise God, she's saved. But her priest called because she's on several important committees. And... Uh, he called, and she said, well, I'm down here with my Baptist preacher's preacher brother. We're going on there. And apparently her priest said something to her because she said, no, my brother's not that way. He's not rejoicing because of the difficulties that we're having with all these news things that are going on. Because he believes the world don't know the difference between a pastor, a bishop, a priest, a rabbi. They don't know the difference. 
And so when any individual that's a person of God falls, it hurts all of us. Folks, sheep stands for character. My dad taught me one thing. Oh, he's taught me a lot of things. Now, when I talk about my dad, I don't want to get you confused. That's the man that married my wife that brought me out of the orphanage. He's my mother's third husband. I'm blessed. I got all kinds of dads. But one thing he taught me, he says it takes a lifetime to build a reputation and then only a moment to destroy it. If you don't get anything else out of this part of the message, a lifetime to build a reputation and only a moment to destroy it. And I never left, leave the house. I never left the house as a, as a kid. As I got my driver's license. My dad didn't worry about it when he was driving because he was always with me. But after I got my license, every time I left the house, the last thing my dad would say is, I go out the door, remember what family you belong to. I knew exactly what he meant. Don't do anything that's going to embarrass the family. Ladies and gentlemen, we all live lives that we don't embarrass God. We ought to have godly character. So God calls us his children. He calls us his saints. He calls us his Christians. He calls us his brethren. He calls us his sheep. But then he calls us his servants. That's for employment. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man who travels to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. I thought about this long and hard. I really did. And I thought, what's the comparison? And it hit me like a ton of bricks. You ever been hit by a ton of bricks? Man, it's a boom, a spiritual awakening. And I made the connection between this verse and Matthew 28, 18, and 20. You all know that verse. It says, Jesus came and spoke to him and said, Therefore, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all things that I have taught you. And, Lord, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And then on the Mount, when he's getting ready to, to go back to heaven, he said, and you know, They'd been with him all these years. He'd been teaching them. He said, and they asked him a dumb question. Lord, is now the time you'll set up your kingdom? And what did he tell them? That's not for you to know. <laughs> That's in my father's hand. You know, I don't know if it was like you, Doug, but when I was going to seminary and I used to ride back and forth with some of the guys, we always debated eschatology. Eschatology is the study of last things. Are you pre-trib, post-trib, pan-trib? Pan-American, whatever it is. Are, are you this? Are you that? And that's, that's a good theological... But we, 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 we argue about that all the time. That's a good theological question. And there's a lot of people today that that's, that's, they spend a lot of time studying that. That's in God's hands. He's going to come when God tells him to come. Don't worry about it. But he said, until I come... And after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And I thought about this. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country 
Who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them? <laughs> Jesus went back to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for you and me. But he gave his ministry to us, his servants. We've been employed by God to build his kingdom. That's our job. That's the church's job. The church does not exist for you all. Yeah, we are the church. But the church exists for those who are not in the church. When I own my businesses, my guys used to get upset with me all the time because I was constantly, constantly, constantly Tell them, get new business, get new business, get new business. And they'd say, Herb, we got more business we can handle now. People have to wait an hour to two hours to partake of our service. I said, I don't care. You got to get new business. Because you know what happens if you don't get new business? People die, so you lose their business. People move away, you lose their business. Sometimes people get tired of the wait, you lose their business. Or just maybe real hot. <laughs> well, you're doing business. And oh, I can't stand the heat. And so they, they leave. And if, you don't, if you're not out there, but that's not the reason. I'm not talking about business. I don't want you to say, well, brother, who's talking about? I'm not talking about business. What I'm talking about is we all have a, the same burden Jesus had to see people who don't know Jesus Christ come to know Jesus Christ. In your circle of influence, who do you want to leave behind? I don't want to leave any of them behind. Praise God. I led my wife to the Lord. Now people say, well, Herb, I thought she was already Christian. She did too. She walked down an aisle. They asked her why she's coming. She says, I'm coming to join the church. They sat her down on the front row. They got up at the end of the service, introduced her. This is Dorothy. She's coming to join the church. All those in favor, she filled out a little card. Let's vote, to, and vote her into the church. And they voted, and she became a member of the church. Nobody shared the gospel. They even baptized her on the wrong side of the cross. Ladies and gentlemen, our churches are filled with individuals who believe in God. Satan believes in God. Who've made a decision. Who are moral people. Good people. And they belong to churches. But they've never prayed to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I've been married to Dorothy for 56 years. I did one thing, one thing that caused me to be married. You loved her. Well, I loved her. Then I love her during, I love her now. But that's, that's not it. The one thing I did that caused me to be married is I took a wedding vow. And the day I took that vow, I became married. And the one thing I did that caused me to be a Christian, the one thing I did... On November 13, 1966, as I bowed my head and I prayed a very simple prayer, making a vow to God to commit my life to him and receive him as my Lord and Savior. And the moment I prayed that prayer, I became a child of God and God started working my life to change my life and to keep my family together. Folks, we're God's servant. We've been employed. I owned my own business for 16 years. I only had to fire a couple people in all that time. I had a good group of people working for me. But the ones that I fired, do you know why I fired them? Because they wouldn't work. 
They want to be paid, but they don't want to work. I want you to think about something this morning. And you know me, I, I want to provoke thought. You want to keep your excitement about your salvation? Become a soul winner. You want to be in a position where God will bless you as he wants to bless you? Be a soul winner. I've got a daughter who I dearly love, but I never rewarded her when she was doing bad. We have a, we have a little puppy dog. Last, time, last night, I put that puppy dog, who's 10 years old, in time out. She knows time out. Because when I got up, I said, okay, enough's enough. Come on, apricot. Into the bedroom, I'm going to shut the door. Into the bedroom. She scooted behind the chair. And she looked at Dorothy and just said, don't, don't let put me in that room. You know what? She quit doing what she was doing. She knows. We're all called to be soul winners. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And folks, it's not that hard. Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how can they call on him unless they hear? And how can they hear unless someone proclaims or preaches? Here's the lie of Satan. Satan says, they don't want to hear that anymore. We're too sophisticated. They, 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 don't, they don't want to, they don't want to, you know, people... People, they, they, they don't just they don't want to do that. Please do not take this incorrectly. But in the six months since I've been here, here in Oviedo, I've had the privilege of seeing 14 people, Lord. And you say, well, Brother Hood, that's because you're the preacher. No, it's because I share the gospel. I shared the gospel when I was a layman. In fact, I knew more lost people. I used to win more people, Lord, when I was a layman than I do as a preacher. Now, I'm not saying look at Brother Herb, but the only reason people are not being saved today is because we're not asking them to. One more point, but I want to make this point here, and I'm not trying to be, but I want you to stop and think with me. You all remember Peter? He denied Christ three times. Several weeks later, He's in the temple. He's sharing the gospel. Priests are getting saved. People are getting saved. They arrest him. They, they, they throw him in jail. The next day he stands before the, hindred, the, the Sanhedrin. Help me. That's one of the things I can't pronounce, Doug. I, you know, I'm glad I got an interpreter here this morning. Don't you share this gospel. And Peter, who out of great fear just a few weeks before, denied Christ, stood boldly. And he says, you tell us what we ought to do. What you tell us, what God tells us. And they scourged them, and they left. And as they're leaving, having been beaten, they're rejoicing that they had to suffer for the cause of Christ. Shoot, we get a hangnail, we complain. And they report to the church, and they have a prayer meeting. And they say, Lord, give us more boldness, more boldness to declare the gospel. And the place was shaken, and the Bible says they went out from there and declared the gospel. Persecution came upon the church, and everybody was scattered except the preachers. And the Bible says everywhere they went, they shared the gospel. Oh, to God be the glory that this morning when we leave this place, that everywhere we go, we declare the gospel. 
And I'm not talking about being mean and ugly and forcing people in the kingdom. I never force anybody in the kingdom. A person has a right to receive Christ, but they have the right to say no. That's not up to me. That's the Holy Spirit's job. I stay out of the Holy Spirit's job. I just do what God's called me to do, and all I do is with love and concern and the soul winners that I've trained over, we share the gospel, and we ask them, would you like to be a child of God and know that all your sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future, and that when you die, you'll go to heaven? And it's not hard. It's just like a marriage vow. And you'd be surprised how many people say yes, especially today with all the stuff going on. So the last point, friends, that's a companionship. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. <sighs> to be a child of God, to be a saint of God, to be called a Christian, to be a, a brother with Christ. To be one of his sheep, to be his servant, and then to be called his friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. A friend is someone who sticks to you even closer than a brother. We all have relationships, but to have a really good friend is special. I have a friend that I know he would die for me, and I'd die for him. In fact, he's such a good friend that when I retired, I moved to his community. Don't know nobody down there except my friend. But my daughter says, why did you move to Sebring? I says, because I got a friend. Why didn't you move over to be close to me? I says, well, you need to travel. You need to exercise. <laughs> but I have a friend. But the greatest friend I have is Jesus. He's my friend. He's your friend. He's there when you need him. I'm not going to share this here this morning, but I shared it with someone a little while ago that this week I really prayed for my daughter. You know, it's hard to be a preacher's kid. I'm praying for you guys. Now, one's missing, but he's, he's married, so we really need to pray for him that he'll be the husband God wants him to be. But my daughter was terribly hurt. Hurt so bad. She always calls me, Daddy, pray for me. She prays. She wishes God in her own way, but she won't go to church breaks my heart. And I'm not mad at the church. I'm just, you know, I've been around great Christians, but I've been around some real bad Christians too. And they, they expected things from her that they didn't expect from their own children. And then she joined another church and got terribly hurt. Terribly hurt. So last week I prayed. And I prayed real hard. Because she had an opportunity and she just said, nothing's going to come of this. I said, yes, it is, because your mom and we're going to pray for you. And I'm praying for one reason, not that you get this opportunity, but that you'll know that God is real and he loves you and he wants you to come back. And I told her that. 
And I didn't pray selfishly. My motive was, Lord, do this so that she'll know that you love her. I'm going to go ahead and tell you what it is. She works for a company, and she's doing very, very, very well. And because she's doing so well, she made this special club that they have one time a year, and every year they have a big banquet. And only 13 out of nine states qualified this year. My daughter is one of the 13. They called her, wanted her to come back, and she said, I, there's no reason because she figured it'd be one in a hundred. There's only 13. The state supervisor called her. The regional supervisor called her supervisor. You got to go. She said, okay, I'll go. She calls me Tuesday night. So excited. Dad. Dad. I won. Top producer in the company for the nine states. You know what she won? Somebody take a guess. Go ahead. Tell us what you want. $100,000. That's an answer to prayer. What was my motive? I didn't care about the $100,000. she has got her daddy. Who don't have $100,000, but she's got her daddy. But God answered that prayer for no other reason. That she might know that he still loves her. Folks, God answers prayers when you pray. And that is my motive. Of course, now I'm asking to pay back all the money I've spent on her over the years, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> so, I hope you understand what I've said this morning. Dorothy and I want to thank you. This has been one of the greatest times in our lives. We want you to know we really love you. We do. It's okay for a 70-something-year-old man to cry. Now, when I was 50, I never would do it, but we love you. And I promise you that you will be in our hearts and our prayers from now on. And I'm looking forward, Doug, to hearing the great things God's going to do in this church as you lead them. And if I say one last word, you support Doug, you support Sonia, you support his kids. If, anybody, if you hear anything that's negative, you have my permission and God's permission, hit him with a hammer. Just hit him with a hammer. If they get hit enough, <laughs> just tell them, either shut up and follow our pastor or go find another church. Because God can only work in a church the way he wants it when they're in one accord. And that doesn't mean a Honda. <laughs> we need to be in one accord. You need to follow your leaders. And I want you to know this. God never worked through a committee. He works through a man. And Doug is your man, and you follow him. And my wife and I are looking forward to hearing how you prosper and how you grow. And I hope that this church would be like one of our other babies that we birthed, which is First Baptist Orlando. Did you all know we started that church? We birthed big babies. Don't let us down. And I'm looking forward to hearing great things from you. And Doug, I want you to know something. I do have a Bible. I travel. And guys, I do great weddings, and I've had very few divorces because I don't believe in divorce, but I do believe in murder. And so the guys, I scare them to death. So, you know, <laughs> when the time comes, I won't, I won't even charge you a preacher's fee, and that way your daddy can enjoy the wedding. He don't have to be working that day, and I'll take care of you guys. Okay.
I've had a lot of fun. Thank you. I probably went over my time. No, I'm right a little over time. Everything I said this morning starts with one thing. Receiving Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you don't know if you died right now, that you go to heaven, don't let Satan, I've talked to you about several times about how Satan lies. Don't hear that voice, you got plenty of time. Put it off to another day. You put it off to another day, you'll never come to Christ. So you search your soul right now and you ask yourself, if I died right now, if I died right now, would I go to heaven? Am I a child of God? Am I a saint? Am I a Christian? Am I a brethren? Am I a sheep? Am I a servant? Am I a, a friend? And if you can't answer that question, yes, you come to the front. We'll have deacons here to pray with you. To pray like that deacon prayed with me. And then if you receive Christ, when I got married, the very first thing is they put a ring on my finger. If you receive Christ today, you come out there, we'll baptize you for a public testimony. Because we're going to baptize in just a few minutes. If you're here today and you say, I've not been what I should have been. Don't worry about what people are thinking on the left or right. You come forward and we'll pray with you. That today will be a new day and everything else will be behind you. And you'll be the, you'll be the child of God God wants you to be. Folks, God needs his saints. And God needs his warriors. And God needs this church to grow. Because I drive around this community all the time. And it needs Christ. So you come. I'm going to pray for you right now. If you're not saved, say this prayer. And then I'll meet you down front. And we'll come. And you, know, you, you come and we'll do business with God. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege you've given Dorothy and I to be amongst these people these last six months. Lord, I pray today for those in the congregation. Lord, if there's any here today, any, you know, Father, and you know you're already touching their heart. Lord, let them let go and come forward and receive you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray for those who are in this congregation who have not been all that they can be in the kingdom of God, who are not living up to their name. But Lord, let them draw a line in the sign, sand today and say, today, with God's help, I'm going to start being all that I can be. And so, Lord, I pray and I ask you, Father, that during this time of, of decision, for those who you've touched, that they will come forward and they not be ashamed and they won't be worried about what people are going to think, that they never worry about what people are going to think. They only worry about what you think. So, Lord, you bring them as Patrick leads us in song. Amen.